Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. You can follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. You can follow me at Dan Urban MMA, and you can follow the podcast at Couchside Judges. You can also subscribe wherever you listen. And if you like what you're hearing, please give us a five-star review. And we talk about judging in MMA, so you might as well learn the criteria, which you can find at abcboxing.com. You know, Dan, as we were waiting to uh, record this, I started watching uh, Godzilla vs. Kong. Is it good so far? Uh, so far, it's a lot of exposition. Don't know what that means. Uh, a lot of setting up things. Okay. But uh, I, I imagine, or I hope, that the last hour-ish of the movie, which I haven't gotten to, is uh, just, just a lot of monster battles. That's all I want. That's what you're going to get. I need very little out of this movie. Just just give it to me. And I think I will. Are you eating popcorn? No. Oh, you should eat popcorn with it. I'm not a popcorn guy. Honestly, I, if I go to the movie theater, I like popcorn, but like I'm on, I'm not in the movie theater, so you could pretend I could, yeah, but I'm not going to do that. Okay, but yeah, we uh, we we obviously didn't have a UFC card over the weekend, right? It was what did you do on your Saturday anyway? Uh, I watched baseball. Okay, that's about it, huh? And that's about it. All right, <laughs> rock on. What you do in your free time? Oh, college basketball. Oh, I did watch. I did watch basketball. I, I forgot about that. I did watch those games. I mean, obviously the the epic uh, Gonzaga UCLA game. Yeah, I was uh, UCLA. They upset me. I mean, they should have lied down and just died, taking a ten point loss for me. Uh, but they didn't. And yeah, that's that's probably what they should have done. That, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, uh, protect the better's interest, and that's what they should have done. So, but they yeah, didn't. most definitely. It, it doesn't matter that they gave us like one of the most classic college basketball games in recent memory. That's fine. Yeah, they should have just won you a little bit of money. I didn't want that. Did not care for to see a classic basketball game. Tough nuggets, sir. But hey, whatever. UCLA is now on the list. Friday night, we did have fights. We had Bellator back on Showtime. What did you think, first off, of the Showtime return of mixed martial arts? Fell really, really short. As far as as far as production, it was the same exact thing that we've been seeing from Bellator for however long, just with a a new uh, label on it. Okay. Didn't feel like MMA on Showtime whatsoever. I. I didn't get that feeling. I, I thought it felt pretty similar. I mean, obviously, it's not exactly the same. And strike, you know, you can't really truly match what Strike Force is. But this isn't that dissimilar a product at this point. I think it's the cage. The the cage is massive. It's Bellator absolutely needs to figure out that hey, we don't really want these cages to be you know giant coliseum arenas. It just honestly, if they would just adopt, make this make their little so you can keep the circle. If you really insist on it being a stupid circle, fine, whatever. But just shrink it. Make it the size of the one uh, that they use at UFC Apex or somewhere there in that range, you know? Yeah. Get... I put them in the phone booth. Just do that. You could do that, too. No, don't do that. But honestly, it's it's just way too big. It just is. Yeah. But as far as fights went, I, I thought fights. I thought the fights were good. Fights was... were solid. So... Uh, you know, it's you know kind of typical Bellator matchmaking where you, you kind of know who's going to win four out of five, five out of five times. Yeah, pretty much. A lot of mismatches. That's kind of, that's how it goes. It's just that's just kind of the nature of Bellator uh, as we've seen in recent years, and so far no signs of changing. But you know, I, I definitely was impressed with Patricio Pitbull, who you know more than a decade after I started watching him on Bellator, he still looks amazing. Uh, he he doesn't look like he has lost a step in any single way. No, he looked great. Uh, Armin Guillotine with confidence. Oh, I mean was, that dude. He, he knew so. he had that on on uh, Emmanuel Sanchez, and Sanchez couldn't hold up. He 
he went out. I mean, he, did he did he try to tap or something like that? Is that what happened? He tried I, to tap I, and it didn't happen. I don't know. I didn't see a hand motion to tap. I, I saw, didn't either. Someone someone on Twitter interacted with me. I, yeah, I, I noticed. I, was like, that. I don't know about that. I saw Pitbull tell the ref twice that the fighter was out. Uh, he didn't recognize that, and then he checked his hand like multiple times before he was doing the whole WWF like lift the arm a couple times, <laughs> waiting for the third one where he's gonna like hold it up, and then X Pac and and you know Hulk Hogan they're gonna you know Hulk out of it and everything. I'm like, no, no, this isn't this isn't that sport. You gotta stop it. Once the arm wiggled and it wasn't going anywhere, I'm like, dude, stop this fight. Yeah. Um, you know, I I don't want to be too critical because when you're in there, you know, the refs obviously make judgment calls, but I'm like. Guy, that looked like a dead arm to me. Yeah, he definitely looked like he was totally out. But, it, you know, guillotine the face is hidden. Tough to tell. No, I understand. Uh, the so. I get that. But what are you checking the arm for? Uh, yeah. He's going to wiggle it around like yeah. he's asleep. <laughs> like he just had Novocaine or something <laughs> like that. Coochie, Guy, coochie, coo. He's out. <laughs> Fortunately, everybody's fine. Yeah, that solid win for him. I'm excited uh, for AJ McKee. I'm a little upset with you. Why are you upset with me? What uh, because you always tell me about Pitbull, uh, but you didn't tell me about McKee. And I went back and watched a bunch of McKee fights, and I said, I love this guy. Oh, McKee's Why solid, yeah. I mean, Scott he's, just, he's a prospect on the ride. not told me about A.J. McKee. I'm sorry, man. I'm not a religious Bellator, or I hadn't been in in recent years, so I missed a lot of his rise. But I, you know, I'd heard a lot about him. I remembered his father, uh, who was not an entertaining fighter to watch. Okay. but Do you, do you remember Antonio McKee? I, I couldn't tell you. Antonio McKee was one of the most grindy of grinding wrestlers that you could think of in this sport. Well, his son's the complete opposite. Yes, he is. <laughs> so... And when I talked to Scott Coker last week, Coker was Coker said uh, he told me a little like anecdote about uh, after one of uh, AJ's fights. He goes, "You know, I think you threw more kicks in that fight than your dad did in his whole career." <laughs> possible and, and you know he possible. he likes the mckees but obviously he you know he, he actually admitted he's like yeah he, he didn't really have my favorite style <laughs> yeah I, so I, i'm excited for that title fight i i think it's gonna be great doesn't I look do. like mckee really cares about his gas tank which might be a problem but still should be exciting i i'm looking forward to it i i love to see those this type of fight anybody who can bring it to pitbull obviously will, will create fireworks but uh, you know gut instinct tells me pitbull's still gonna take it but but that's that's a fun fight, and and I I bet you they'll be able to book that one relatively quickly. I know Coker again. He told me that they would like to be able to get that done like as soon as possible. You know, they he was saying you know maybe end of June, early July. You know, barring injury, so you know hopefully we'll get that pretty soon. Yeah, definitely. I'm ready for that one. Mm-hmm. You know, enough of enough of the event itself. I think you know we we're not going to go into uh, the prelims uh, at all. I didn't get the chance to watch them. Um, I don't know if you did, and I think you did watch a little bit, right? Uh, I I caught a glimpse of, of some fights. Okay, I, yeah, I didn't watch them at all, so we're not going to go into those. But we do have a couple of rounds from Bellator 255 uh, that we're going to talk about for contested rounds. So one of which was, of course, the opening fight split decision. Uh, Kana Watanabe getting 29-28 uh, two times and 29-28 the other way for Alejandra Lara. Uh, round two was the split round there as Laura won round one and Watanabe won round three. So what we have here is I gave the round two to Watanabe, same as Mike Bell and Sal D'Amato. Uh, Brian Miner was the uh, the out judge here who gave this one to Lara and that's the fight. What did you see? I gave it 10-9 Watanabe. Uh, okay. That's a close round. Lara was, was definitely the fighter that was winning on the feet. Just Yeah, for it wasn't there very long. Right, there wasn't much... 
there, although she landed some solid elbows. She landed about five total elbows. Those were good elbows. elbows. Yeah, no, they were really good elbows. Yeah, throughout, like, throughout the round, like five total uh, mm-hmm. on the ground, on the feet, whatever. But yeah. Watanabe was, was just really that much better on the ground. Good ground and pound. Taking the back. Solid flurry at the end. It's hard not to go her way. And the Kimura, too. And the Kimura attack. How could you ignore that? Hey, sometimes you of the, things you get big fan me. of shoulder locks. Sometimes these things elude me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, watching this one, I, I, I agreed it was kind of a close round, but I thought it was a kind of close but clear round for Watanabe. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I scored for Watanabe. I, I think you know it's not crazy it wor- to go, but it, is it the worst thing that Brian Miner went the other way? I don't think so, but I would imagine this is a round that. Uh, you know, you, you look back at it and you kind of look at, you know, what Lara did and what Watanabe did. I think the edge is pretty clear for Watanabe. Yeah, for sure. And and I also scored Watanabe uh, 10-7 on the entrance over Lara. Oh, yeah. You, you were so down on Lara coming out and having a fun little dance party. She could have a dance party. Just make your way to the cage. She did. No, she Slowly. didn't. She, she took her very sweet time for the opening bout. Title bout, I enjoyed. I it. might be able to excuse it this no, time. I, I enjoyed it, and I don't think it. I don't think it sapped her gas tank or anything like that. I I'm think not she sa- lost because she lost. I'm not saying it sapped her gas tank. It was boring dancing. No, that should never sap anybody's gas tank. That was not boring dancing. That was. Friend. That was. We are on opposite sides of that. Tiptoeing around, going back and forth, up and down the aisle. Had enough of it. Just making your way to the cage and let's fight. Ms. Lara, do your thing. You have my support. Not mine. But we have another fight talk about we do have another fight sir we, we can move on uh, you know, obviously we don't want to come to fisticuffs here no. uh through our our uh virtual <laughs> recording of the virtual show. fisticuffs i'll punch you through the screen <laughs> <laughs> the other the other round we were going to talk about and this this had no bearing on the decision here but when i watched uh usman Nurmagomedov, uh who is of course the hybrid uh child of kamaru usman and habib Nurmagomedov. Uh, it's actually could be his cousin. Uh, I thought this was a very clear thirty to twenty-seven for Numagomedov over Mike Hamill here. Uh, I just, I didn't think it was particularly close in any round. Uh, but round one, we actually had a split here. Uh, it was this was again uh, Bell and Damato were in the majority, giving it to Numagomedov, same as I did, and same as you, I presume. Oh yeah, this is uh it was ten nine Nurmagomedov. Uh but but this actually we we had the minority score came from Doug Crosby who gave round one to Hamill. I mean, let me just play devil's advocate here for you, or, or like try to put you in the shoes of devil's advocate. I'm gonna I'm gonna place you there. What what could you really give this round to Hamill for? Well, I there's no way you could say the striking was dead even. So you can't even go to being like, well, he was more aggressive in a dead even striking battle. Like you can't even go there. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty mind boggling to be frank. I, I, I'm trying to find something. Did Hamill even land anything decent? I don't really think so. I don't remember anything that landed like, with any particular uh, impact or anything like that. I remember a lot of good kicks, uh, you know, both to the legs and to the body from uh, Nurmagomedov here. I, I have trouble thinking of anything truly impactful from. Hamill here that really stood out. It, you know, I it wasn't a, a landslide. You know, this wasn't like something that approached some sort of ten eight range where you're like, "Come on, crazy!" But yeah, 
I'm I'm trying to figure that one out. This was clear. Like, that's a tough one. A clear, but even more clear round for Nurmagomedov. Yeah, sometimes we so, say close but clear, right? But this is yeah. this is just clear and clear, right? Yeah, that's just great kicks, great punches down the middle, snapping his head back. I mean, the one thing you can say about Hamill is he's super game, and he was in Nurmagomedov's face the whole time. He just wasn't doing anything with it. So, yeah, I, I have I. This is a score that, yeah, I think I I don't mind coming down on a little bit. It just as you know, obviously we're not authorities or anything like that, and we don't have as many years on the job as as Doug Crosby does. But having said that, I don't see it. I, I definitely I don't, don't I don't see it. see it at all. Definitely don't. I mean, yeah, I think thirty twenty seven is the score. I think it's an easy score. I mean, I, I think you could almost start saying like if you were to say that there was something other than thirty twenty seven here, I would start to say. Okay, well, who had thirty twenty six? Exactly. What round would you have given a ten eight? You know, I don't think any of these rounds are ten eights. I, no. I actually don't think that. Shehan um, did. I think he gave. Shehan did. He scored at a thirty twenty six, but he didn't give his specific round, so I don't know. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I I didn't necessarily see that. Uh, I, again, I would have less problem with that. Right, but I, I'm you with know? you. I think it's closer to thirty twenty six than it is twenty nine twenty eight. Yeah. So it's yeah. I I don't know about that one. That's that's a strange score from Doug Crosby. Um, we've seen those over the years, uh, from Doug, it, it does happen, uh, you know, going all the way back to, uh, the Penn, uh, Edgar fight where he gave all five rounds to, uh, Frankie Edgar. Yeah. And, and be... then defended that one. We spoke about that, about that one earlier in the year. I'm going to say some Doug, this is not the worst score we're going to talk about on this show though. So. Oh, on, on this particular episode? On this particular no, it's episode. Not. I, think the, I think we have a weirder score coming up. We yeah, definitely yeah. do. Yes. For for past judgment. You want to go into past judgment now? Yeah, my, yeah, here, right? yeah, we can hit yeah, that. Yeah, let's go on to past judgment. Uh, for this one, uh, you know, like I said, we're done with Bellator. We're actually going to be talking a little bit more about one championship uh, coming up. So because of that, uh, Wednesday night, the headliner of one's debut on TNT is Mighty Mouse Johnson. Finally returning to the cage against Adriano Marais in a fight that honestly I'm really I'm very excited for this fight. I think it's gonna um, be we'll a good talk fight. about that particular yeah. fight later. I've I've had my eye on Marais for a while, but because Mighty Mouse is in action, we thought, okay, let's go back to a previous Mighty Mouse fight for past judgment. Uh the one we chose is a very unique and, and interesting fight for, for many, many reasons, uh in in featherweight lore. Excuse me, in flyweight lore. But before we kind of get into that one against Ian McCall, uh, the first of two fights between them, Dan, just go over how we do past judgment. Yeah, CSJ criteria, basically the same as the ABC criteria, which, as we mentioned earlier, is available at abcboxing.com. Like certified judges, we score rounds based on the 3Ds, damage, dominance, and duration, but we just made a few key changes. A 10-9 is a competitive round in which neither fighter checks one of the 3Ds by a large margin. A 10-8 can be considered for just 1D, but should be definitely given when 2Ds are achieved. A 10-7 is available for checking off 2Ds, but must be given for all three. We've discarded tiebreakers for effective aggression and area control, as these are rarely used by judges anyway. The rare 10-10 would only be given in largely uneventful rounds. All this helps provide for more varied scores that should more accurately reflect what happened in a fight. Alright, Scott. Start by setting up Mighty Mouse vs. Uncle Creepy 1. Yeah, Uncle Creepy. What a great MMA nickname, right? <laughs> it just is. Like, it... <laughs> It's perfect. Uh, anyway, so yeah, Mighty Mouse Johnson uh, against Ian McCall the first time. This was on the main card of the second UFC on FX event all the way back on March 3rd, 2012 at All Phones Arena in Sydney, Australia. And this was the very first, I'm, I'm almost positive, this is the very first flyweight fight in UFC history. 
I think they the did four, say that, yeah. They did say that, yeah. yeah. I, I missed that on the broadcast, but yeah, I was pretty sure. Uh, so yeah, this was part of the four-man flyweight tournament that was to determine the first champion. You know, they brought in uh, McCall, you know, from outside the organization. They brought in, uh, in the other end of the tournament, they brought in uh, Yasuhiro Ushitami uh, to fight against... Uh, to fight against Joe Benavidez. Uh, but this one, this was, you know, these were both on the same card. The headliner here, though, was Martin Kempman getting a third-round guillotine over Tiago Alves. Johnson, he's coming in. He's only 25 years old. So, like, if you think about it, this is this is, this is back when he was completely unestablished. Uh, he's 14-2, and two, had just come off a, you know, a pretty lopsided uh, defeat in his first bantamweight title challenge against uh, Dominic Cruz back in October the year before. Uh, and really, for a long time, he had been thought of as kind of like a potential stud whenever he was going to get down to uh, 125 pounds, whenever that uh, ability opened up. I think I remember even Joe Rogan talking about that the very first time he fought for WEC when he lost to uh, Brad Pickett. I don't know if you remember that fight at all, but I, I remember distinctly hearing that. I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then, you know, I was like, oh, I'll keep my eye on this uh, Demetrius Johnson fellow. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm curious real quick before we get into Yeah, it. what's up? Why are you such a big DJ fan? Why am I a big fan? Because I, well, I let, me say, let me say yeah, why, sure. why I think you wouldn't be. Okay. He's an Xbox guy. He is an Xbox guy, and, and you know we are on opposite sides of that. Although, he and I both commiserated on the fact that we each, because uh, I spoke with him earlier this year, we each have a PS5. Oh, he does have, okay. Oh, he's got a PS5, yeah. He got one opening day. So he that... said a buddy of his kind of hooked him up and got one. All right. Okay, so that so, he gets a pass. But, but a yes, bit. he he did have that that well known Xbox sponsorship for many years. Uh, really, he's a PC guy. Like right now, all he plays is WoW. He plays World okay. of Warcraft. All right, that's what he's streaming right now. But um, yeah, no, and I'm glad you mentioned that too because those shorts. Like, look, I'm not an Xbox guy, but like those shorts that he wore <laughs> were sleek. They were cool. You know, I know uh, a lot of the reasons why. Dana White spoke about wanting to go to the fight kits that they've seen, you know, that we had with Reebok and now upcoming with uh, Venom starting this coming weekend. I know a lot of it was like, oh, I didn't like the NASCAR look with the ads all over the place. This was a pretty clean look. And I wish what they had done was something like, okay, you can have one sponsor and it can be integrated into your thing. And that is it. That would have been awesome. I think that would have been fine because then you can still create these unique looks like Mighty Mouse had. And they can still get paid. Like, it, man, it's uh, the fighters. Poor fighters. They just don't get enough. <laughs> All right. Anyway, back back to this. I, I yeah, I appreciate the the segue there. The the little aside, but yeah, back to this. Uh, McCall here. He's coming in. He's twenty seven years old. Eleven and two. He had actually kind of washed out of WEC, and then he moved down to one twenty five. Turned into the top one hundred twenty five pounder on the planet at this point. Uh, before you know, you started seeing some UFC guys come down. He had beaten Juicy Formiga, who was at the time considered number one. He beat Dustin Ortiz, who for many years hung around in the UFC's kind of top 10 range. Uh, he was competing at Tachi Palace fights. So, yeah, th- and that, and actually Tachi Palace, I don't know if you remember, Dan, this was where a lot of the top flyweights were flocking before the UFC finally attracted them. They, if my memory serves me right, they didn't want to fly Shorty Rock Santella out there. Because I was, at, I was at AMA at the time when this was all going Is that on. what it was? Pretty sure. Yeah, I mean, I was at AMA that. too. I don't remember that about Shorty Rock. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there was some kind of logistics issue. Okay, it always seems like something comes up that just—it's like something outside of uh, Sean's control, 
that just keeps him from an opportunity. Like when he yeah. didn't get the UFC, even though he was supposed to fight uh, Wilson Hayes, Wilson it was Hayes. Like paperwork related. And yep. it's just, yeah. Silliness. Snake bit that kid. But, uh, but back to McCall here, you know, he had just won the TPF title. Won by rear naked choke over Daryl Montague. The Mongoose was his nickname, by the way. I like that, the that nickname. The previous August. Judges for this fight, we've got Sal D'Amato, Anthony Dimitriou, and uh, Kon Papayanu, who I'm probably mispronouncing. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, those are our three judges. The, the, the latter two, of course, Sal works uh, out of uh, North America and he works all over the world. But the latter two, you typically see when they're uh, in that region of the world, Oceania. Referee for this one is Leon Roberts. So, Dan, we have a three-round fight here with the potential for sudden victory if there is a draw. Start off with round one. Yeah, round one. I thought this pretty clear 10-9 for Johnson. Competitive, not a blowout, but DJ's landing the far better strikes. He even stumbled McCall at one time. Uh, Yeah. I think without that stumble it becomes a very, very, very close round, like something that almost gets very hard to call. But when he lands that one that, that kind of stiffened uh, McCall up just a bit, I mean, he, he doesn't go down. He, you know, he's not totally in trouble, but he, he, he took that one. You knew it. Everyone knew it. You could tell in the body language that really, uh, that hit him stiff. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was still, cl- I mean, obviously that one helps you, you know, decide a lot easier. I, I didn't think it was all that close though. I don't think it was to the point where, you can give this a 10-10. I think that is pretty weak. Well, before we get to that, Dan, I, I will just point out to you that if you just want, I don't know what you think the striking numbers are, but according to UFC stats, Mighty Mouse landed 28 total strikes to McCall's 26. So the numbers are actually pretty close. And then McCall had, you know, he had some good grappling sequences in there. You can't a, discount that. Right, he had okay grappling. He didn't really, I mean, he didn't get too far with them. He got swept the one time. He did so, get swept, but he, I mean, he also got, did he get fully to mount or did he just not quite get there? He didn't pass this round, I didn't think. He, he, went I the, he, he got, got he, farther along, no? He got the half guard off his initial takedown before he got swept. Uh, I see. Okay, you know what? Maybe I'm mixing it up in my head with, with the, uh, in the later rounds. Uh, but yeah, that, I, I think when you add all that in and let's, you know, for hypothetical sake, if you take out that one punch that really staggered him, I do think it becomes a very close round. But that strike does land and i think it's a very clear difference maker we're going of course by uh modern uh criteria writing and and how that works i know back then uh you probably got a little bit more weight for your takedowns Possibly, than you yeah. do today but having said that i mean i mean the point is to hurt the guy and mighty mouse hurt him he definitely hurt him so i i think yeah i think it's an obvious clear 10-9 johnson here but back to what you alluded to yeah i mean two judges by the way, saw it the same as you and I did. That was uh, D'Amato and Papayanu. Uh, again, I, I apologize for saying your name wrong. Uh, but <laughs> the third judge, Anthony Dimitriou, gave one of the most rare scores you can find in mixed martial arts a 10-10 in this round. I think it's weak. What do you think of that? Weak. I think I think it's weak. I think it's a cop-out. I, I think it's not that difficult to, to sign a winner on this round. No, I, I've seen a lot harder rounds that... I, I feel like to be able to pick a winner for sometimes I'm like, sometimes I almost want to use the word coin toss, but that implies that you're leaving it to chance. And I don't think that's a good way to phrase it, but that's not what this was. This to me looked like a round where you could pick a winner. Definitely. It was com- and competitive. It's and stunning clear. to me that Anthony Dimitri did not pick a winner in this round. 
It's crazy. It's and not- it comes back to completely affect the way the division operated for, you know, the, the next half year or so. Well, we'll get to that later. But that one inability to pick a winner comes back and haunts so many things. Yeah. But it's not the only thing that went wrong in, the, in this one, too. So we'll, we'll get to that later. Round two, Dan. Nothing went wrong here. Everything was a lot easier, right? I thought this was, if you're going to give any round in this fight at 10-10, I think it would have been this round. I thought this round was a lot closer than round one. Uh, disagree. I mean, ah, agree and disagree. I see what you mean. I still think Mighty Mouse won. I think you landed better. Yeah. Strikes all around, body, head, legs, all good. Good volume. He was he was very active, and not just active, but actively landing effective offense. Right. And McCall, he finally got his offense going midway through, pretty much. And yeah, I think he did a lot more of the... My, Johnson did a lot of the better work early. Yeah. That's true. Thing is, Matty Mouse maintained his lead with his solid striking, as you explained. So. He did, absolutely. And there, was not, there wasn't that one shot from either side that kind of really turned the tide in any way. You know, we didn't have like like Johnson did in the first round. Uh, it was it was competitive, but yeah, I, I think this was still a round that should have gone to Johnson. And fortunately, all three judges did go that way. Ten nine. Good, easy call. Ten nine. Mm-hmm. So I have it twenty to eighteen. You have it twenty to eighteen. This isn't anything we would have done differently in our scoring system, anything like that. Uh, so because of that, where we stand is uh, Damato and Papayanu. They have it twenty to eighteen. And Dimitri has, I don't know how many times we're ever going to see this score, 20 to 19. <laughs> that's that's a rare one. That's totally. Wow. But everybody's, yeah, everyone has uh, Mighty Mouse Johnson up right now. Going into the third and potentially final round, because of course we do have the potential for a sudden victory round in this fight. What happened in this one? 100% easiest round, or easiest one to at least pick a winner. In absolutely is, is this round and it 100 from a call definitely on the feet was decently close but it and mighty Mouse my, my early have, it was close right yeah might have had the edge but it, it doesn't stay there long and, and once on the ground mccall landed big shots and it was just totally dominant i went 10-8 yeah i went 10-8 too um you know it, mccall too don't don't neglect the fact that he the takedowns that he lands are high impact yes. takedowns too those yep. those actually score as damage as well, he, he was, he, so it's not just kind of like, oh, you know, he got he got a little single leg dumped him on the ground. It was kind of there was what a, I think uh, one was kind of like a suplex kind of thing, or it was a slam or something. Pick, like that. Yeah. At least that's what that's what uh, Kenny Florian called it. Good Kenny Florian and John Anik were fantastic. That'd be you a know, solid it's team. I'm glad you bring up John Anik. You, you say what you're going to say, but I have something else. To say. Oh, that's it. I was just saying they're fantastic. I wish Florian would do more with him. Well, Kenny Florian is going over to PFL now. He's going to work with PFL. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah, so when we when PFL starts up later this month, we'll be hearing more of him. Nice. Um, so I'm I'm excited to hear that. But as far as Anik, I was I don't know about you, but this was one of his first events with the UFC after he got hired, and he was he was solid from the start. Like he's not somebody who you know had like very visible problematic growing pains, or you know obviously not visible, but more from what you hear auditorily. But when you hear him introduce the fight here. Compared to what you hear every week now, that is the difference between a guy who just started doing it and the guy who's been doing it, you know, 30 weeks out of a year for nine years in a row is the comfort, the the clear ease in which he's able to present these fights coming in now. It's just so smooth. It, it, he's got it down to a science. And at the time, it seemed like he was still trying to find 
his voice. When, when, when we talked to him on the show, he said he has no pressure or he feels no nervousness on fight night. All the nervousness goes into his preparation. So he was probably still ironing that out back then. Yeah, probably back then. I mean, you know, I think it's natural to be still a little nervous at yeah. that point. You know, anytime you're, you're new to a job. I think there are still nerves as you're trying to kind of work through it and that kind of thing. It's probably not just you get, you know, get one down and you're like, all right, I'm good. It took a little time. And, but again, he wasn't really rough at the beginning either. He Mm -hmm. just, there was a clear, he's found his voice now, his voice. Now, if you hear it compared to then completely different. And, and, you know, I think that's just a credit to the hard work he spoke about with us and, and clearly has put in and it shows. Yeah, for sure. But anyway, back to this round. This, yeah, I mean, we get to a point where McCall has Mighty Mouse flattened out. And Mighty Mouse is just covering up. Yep. And he's just eating these big bombs. You know, you do see kind of Uncle Creepy's a little bit of playing, what, to the crowd, a little bit of mugging, a little bit. I remember being so hard on him for this. (laughs) And then I just watched him like, wow, he really didn't do it as bad as I remember it. It wasn't that bad. No, it's not. Absolutely. I was like, wow. But again, that could have been that could have been stemming from uh, what I was thinking at the time with Tachi Palace and him coming in. So I could have okay. seen it a little bit more exaggerated. But yeah, uh, I don't I don't know that he would have been able to secure a finish if he didn't do that. I don't think anything no. different would have happened. Like the ref was, uh, Leon Roberts was going to stop that fight, or he was not going to stop that fight. I, I I don't think we yeah. saw anything that needed it to be stopped. It was like a split that second, point, yeah. and I don't know that we would have gotten there. Because it was so late in the round when this is happening. Like, nothing's really changed. Of course, he he certainly could have. I'm going to allow for that possibility, but I don't know. The second of the two ground flurries is the one that I was like, okay, Mighty Mouse is in a lot of trouble here. Yeah, that he, one that one put him in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Let me ask you this, because I gave this a 10-8 as well uh, in our scoring system. So that you know that's kind of like mm-hmm. that borderline 10-8, 10-9 in ABC scoring, at least by modern standards. What do you think of this? If if this was under ABC format today, would you have given it a ten eight or a ten nine? I think I would have. I think I would have pushed a ten eight. Uh, I think I would too. But I, I have trouble I think it was going close enough. ten seven because I think it needed a little bit more lopsidedness to go to ten seven for us. Yeah, I think because we have that nuance in our scoring that you're allowed mm-hmm. to to kind of make that decision. But I think you can totally check the damage and the dominance. And even the duration. I think you can check all three to some degree. Well, I mean, if you say that, then really what that means is it's supposed to be a 10-7. You, but you, I'm saying you could. To have, it's not It's not a high degree. Which which two Ds, like, because again, two Ds is typically what we're talking about in terms of our 10-8s, right? Yeah. Which two Ds do you think were the strongest arguments I'd in the favor of, uh, of McCall here? Dominance and duration. Not damage? There was damage there, but I think that was that's the least uh, level because I don't think Mighty Mouse. I don't Mouse know about ever... that man. He he lands a lot of strikes. He, they were big strikes. It's just the Mighty Mouse was never really. It didn't seem all that hurt from. He was still know, moving around. Just, he, he, he was just hitting them. Yeah, too. he's for he's sure. flattened out for sure. I I, I don't know. I, would like, I, don't I mean, the more I'm talking okay, about this, me, the more I'm almost talking myself into going to a ten seven. Let me say, let me say this. I don't think yeah. uh, those shots on their own were all all that diminishing. They added up. So they add up for sure. They do. And add I think up. they added up to diminishing. You know, uh, I think they're diminishing over time. I think you know, was was like we said. I don't think this was a fight where uh, Mighty Mouse was almost on his way out. I don't think it was going to get stopped. Probably you gave it another thirty seconds. I don't know if it would have been stopped. Who knows? But well, that's what I'm yeah, kind of. That's what I'm kind of getting at. 
I don't know. Like they weren't I, knockout I'm blows. almost talking myself into going a 10-7 here. I'm going to stick with what I had. I'm not going to change it now. But <laughs> uh, the more I think about it, I'm like, you know what? It might almost be a pretty textbook 10-8. I'm not I'm sure. Pretty much, I'm, I'm pretty much sure I'm a 10.7. 7.5. 10.7.5. I would but love I to know. But I can't go there. I would love to know what a judge under modern sensibilities would give this round. Obviously, someone like Sal D'Amato is, is working uh, in America right now. And, and and actually, the two other judges, they they work events in uh, Australia right now. They, whenever whenever UFC goes out that way, uh, they've been working those events. Uh, it's been a while since we've been out there. It's been more than a year since we've been to New Zealand was the last time. But yeah, I'd be curious to know if what judges would think if any judge actually uh, watches this round again. Is this a 10-8 or a 10-9? I don't know. But one judge did go 10-8, right? Yes, it was it was a Saldamato. Nice. He gave it a 10-8 under under the uh the standards of the time. Mm-hmm. And because of that, he had 20 to 18 for Johnson going in, so that made it a draw on his card. He was the only one, so everyone else went 10-9, which meant on Dimitri's card, because he only had Johnson up by one, it was a draw on his card too. A, a hyper rare 29-29. Yeah, crazy. And then we had one winner, and that was Papayano. He gave Johnson the fight 29-28. But it was actually announced as a majority victory for Mighty Mouse Johnson at the time, even though that's not how it was scored. There was a scoring error. There was an an addition error or or some sort of uh, miswriting of someone's score. It was misinterpreted, and because of that, what would have been a situation where they would have gone to the sudden victory round the first time in modern UFC that we would have had a deciding round four happen. It didn't happen. No sudden death victory here. What what a weird time for there to be an addition error like that. Like we've been watching fights for a year focused on the judging of the fights, the scoring of the fights. We've looked back at fights in the past. You know, we've been watching the sport for a very long time. This is like the only time that something like this even comes to mind. And of course it happens at a time where they could have, it actually could have changed the way events processed afterward. If they had just gotten it right. At 10, 10, I'm telling you through whoever was adding them up wrong. Threw them and that's another off. thing too. If, so, if, if, if we didn't get that silly 10, 10, I mean, I mean, silly is almost like, it's probably too kind a way to describe it. But if this isn't, if he just picked 10, nine Johnson in round one, like really, he should have. Then this fight is a win for Mighty Mouse Johnson, and they don't have to run it back in three months for Johnson to win on a much more clear unanimous decision. Uh, I didn't go back and watch that one, but I remember from the time, and I remember it being very easy to tell who won that fight. Um, but the funny thing is, I have it as a draw in our scoring system, which we think is one that better reflects what happens in a fight. So the fact that it did end up being a draw, and then they had to do it again, I'm not even mad at. It. Well, they yeah. It's like you said, the ten ten was just totally unnecessary. So yeah, <laughs> it's disappointing though. I mean, yeah, but but credit to the uh, the commission, the Australian commission, because while they made the mistake in adding up the totals and threw everything kind of in in uh in a bit of a mess, they took responsibility for it. And I'm a big guy. I'm a big believer in just copying to what you did wrong. You know, I'm I'm fallible. I make mistakes. And when I make a mistake in, in a story, we have to run a correction. That's what we do. Yeah, and I, I think I, I just I believe I believe in being accountable. So, you know, if you're going to make the mistake, if you own up to it, 
as long as you're not making a billion mistakes all the time, I I always look favorably at that. Yeah. But it still sucks. And don't give out 10 tens. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Especially not for that round. Yeah, definitely not that round. Oh. Not that round. You want to do it for a staring contest, fine. But man, a lot of stuff happened in that round. <laughs> Right, enough, enough of that round. Enough of that fight. I think we're done, right? Yeah, we definitely uh, killed that one. But the last uh, thing I think we want to talk about really before we go is, again, one championship is coming back, right? Yeah. I got. Have you watched any one before? I'm curious. Yeah, I watched, I watched, uh, I watched a bunch before we recorded. Um, but you hadn't, you hadn't previously been followed. I have. I, I mean, I watched like highlights of Gary Tonin. Um, okay. Eddie's uh, debut. Ed, when he lost that fight. Yeah. Um, I'm just confused. Do they announce if it's going to be a ring event or a cage event beforehand? I believe this is a cage event is my understanding, but I mean, I could be wrong about that. Okay. Yeah. And it's on tape delay when it airs in the U.S. Is there a way to watch it live? That I don't know. Because it's it's happening like 8.30 in the morning Eastern time and not airing until 10 p.m. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm not sure I would think that there's a way to watch it. I bet you I could figure out, uh, but just by keeping an eye on Caposa. That's true, uh, too. At Grabica underscore Hitman on uh, Twitter. He is the man with all the info on all the promotions all over the world. So, uh, and, and I'm not afraid to say that I use him as a resource. He's, he's an excellent resource. Yeah. Do I, do I want to avoid the internet all day long so I don't have any spoilers or? I will absolutely not. not make a, a concerted effort to avoid mm-hmm. spoilers. If I can watch it in the morning because I have time in the morning, actually, mm-hmm. yeah, I will. But um, if I get spoiled, I get spoiled. Okay. It is what it is. That's me. Um, but, you know, let, let's talk a little about, bit about one just because we haven't really talked about it. And they actually do judge fights differently. Yes. Right. It's, it, they don't use the same uh, way that we do it here. They While their fights are three five-minute rounds or five five-minute rounds for the title fight with uh, Mighty Mouse Johnson, they score fights as a whole like pride. Yeah. So even though there's individual rounds, it doesn't matter. Not for scoring. I wish their their criteria was, or their full criteria was available. I think they just gave us an abbreviated version. Yeah, I, I took down the abbreviated version, so it starts off by saying first that judges will utilize the one judging criteria in descending order of importance to determine the winner of the bout. And what they have listed are near KO or submission, that's the top, then damage, which uh, includes internal, accumulated, and superficial, such as cuts, I guess. Uh, then next we have striking combinations and cage generalship. So that was a big fan. Uh, they probably have a big fan in Dominic Cruz there. Uh, that includes ground control and superior positioning. Yeah. Next level is earned takedowns and take or takedown defense. So you can earn points for Defense. Stopping takedowns. Wow, all right. Apparently. And that's obviously there's levels to this. And then aggression is the bottom. So I don't know if that means I think it's it says descending order of importance. So it, what that tells me is that everything actually matters. It's not tiebreakers like we have in the US with effective scoring and grappling, then aggression, then octagon control. It seems to me that what they mean is that all of it matters but just to different degrees. Do you interpret it that way? I didn't. I also didn't know how to interpret it. I thought, okay. Yeah, it's hard to tell. If someone gets a near sub and then the other fighter doesn't get a near sub, does that fighter win that got the near sub? Good question. I don't know. I mean, to me, that would seem to say that what they're doing is they're weighing that most heavily so that there's a good chance you'd win that fight. But like, I don't know. It's it's just not. I mean, sometimes we talk about how loose the 
ABC criteria is, and, it, and that's part of it that is by design. But here, unless there's some more to this that we're not privy to, it's even more loose. And the damage, there's three types of damage here. Do they weigh the same? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I would think yes, but I don't know. It's very interesting. It would be nice to know more about how this works, to, to have a judge over there who could actually, uh, you know, speak to it and how their process works. But I'm sure that's probably too much to ask. Yeah, it's a, I just yeah, I just wish they posted like ABC post their entire rules that that govern how they score a fight. I wish I'm a big fan of transparency. Well. I'm, so, I'm a journalist, so transparency is pretty good. Maybe they will one day. Let us know. I mean, it was also probably not. I don't know about you, but it took me forever to find the scoring criteria on their website. I, I was Googled all over the place. One championship judging, and I got there on the first result. So I think you got to work on your googling, sir. Well, I wasn't googling. I was on their website. Oh no, that's the biggest mistake you've ever made. They don't make it. Don't ever go to someone's website and search around. Just Google it. I mean, they could have just been like one rules instead of got to click martial arts first. Nah, man. The about tab. Nah, that ain't it. Don't do that. It's on there. But yeah, so I don't, I don't know. We're, I'm interested to see how they're going to score because I don't watch a ton of one. I really don't. Um, This is going to be one of my first experiences sitting down and watching a one event, Um, and I'll do that whether I'm spoiled or not. Uh, I'm just kind of curious at how it's going to work. Um, but, you know, let, let's let's talk just a little bit about the fights, too. You know, Mighty Mouse Johnson, like we said, he's going to be fighting Adriano Marais for Marais flyweight title, uh, which he's had for a while. Also, uh, he, he lost it at one point and then he got it back. What's that? Let's point out that their flyweight is 135. That's right. Yes. Yeah. So the, the one thing to remember is they do. They put a lot of focus into trying to maintain healthier um, protocols as far as staying on weight you know if you go by what their website says and what the company says you know they they do a lot of random checks and and check how well people are hydrating make sure that they stay on on weight so ostensibly mighty mouse johnson is still fighting at roughly the same weight he was in the ufc at 125 pounds but he only has to weigh in at 135 pounds and he spoke to me about that too and he said you know that's basically what it is um could it be different you know in practice i don't know but it does seem that Fighters have not had the same type of health issues that, I mean, obviously this was created in response to uh, a weigh-in related death that one had many years ago, which was tragic and and is absolutely one of the worst things to have happened in this sport. Um, if you ask me, because not just because somebody died, but because they died just trying to get ready for a fight, which is so stupid. Completely avoidable. Yeah. And, and fortunately one did respond uh, very aggressively with this plan. So, but it is weird that they call 135 pounds flyweight. Why don't you just call it bantamweight? Yeah, it is what it is. But yeah, this fight, I'm excited for this one. I really am. You know, I, I watched a little bit of a Marais, and I could I could see him totally winning this fight if he bullies uh, Mighty Mouse in the grappling. But he's a good fighter. He's a good fighter. Absolutely. This if, I think this is like the best, absolute best flyweight fight you can make outside the UFC, like okay. for years to come. So I think I think if it stays on the feet. From what I've seen of Marais, I think uh, Johnson has the advantage. But if he can bully Mighty Mouse, which really doesn't happen all that often, I think he can he can retain his belt. So you got a pick? I'm sick. I'm going with Mighty Mouse. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm going with Mighty Mouse too. It's hard for me. I just can't pick against the guy. He's he's got to prove he can't show, win yet. Show yeah. me, show me that he's definitely going to lose a fight. Like I don't, I'm not even truly convinced that he definitely didn't win against Henry Cejudo. I trust the judges who were there, but they were split too. So anytime you get a split decision like that, if I saw it the other way, it, it's hard for me to to sit mm-hmm. there and say that, yeah. yes, he definitely lost. You right. Know? Yeah, it, it should be good. 
Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so I got, I'm, I'll got. i take him by decision. I think we're going to get a decision, and obviously there's going to be no scores, so it'll just be, up. Yeah, he won. Yeah. Can't, <laughs> we can only contest the winner. Yep, that's it. <laughs> the, no adding problems this time. Not at all. <laughs> the other the other uh, MMA fight that we have on the main card is Eddie Alvarez against uh, Yuri Lapicus, uh, who, you know, he's a prospect coming up, but he's actually coming off of a loss to a better prospect in Christian Lee. Uh, back in October, that was wild Alvarez. Fight. We haven't seen him in a while, and he really hasn't been the same fighter since he lost to Connor. He hasn't, and he got, he got knocked out in his one debut, and then his second fight, he probably should have lost. In and you know, actually, Nastukin, uh, Timofey Nastukin, he actually is going to be fighting Christian Lee right. next week. I'm actually which is going to be interesting too. I saw that. I'm excited yeah. that one too. Um, for me, you know what I think the problem is with Eddie is I think he's now more than 17 years into his pro career as a lighter weight fighter. And I mean, 17 years is a very long time to be fighting no matter what weight you're at. But once you're 17 years in and you're at the lower levels where the the lower weight classes, where you kind of see it being harder to stay in the game at the top, maybe he's just falling off. Maybe that's just what it is. Father time is going to win. Right. Unless you're Khabib and you walk away before father time gets you. This fight is, it's a lightweight fight at 170. Yes, so, yes, it is. The, like we explained earlier about the weight classes. Mm-hmm. So it is heavier than he's fought. You know, he Should... actually used to fight at welterweight way back. Okay. He, he had some welterweight has, fights in his career. Has he but always... this, again, this is actually, this is technically speaking, it's a lightweight fight. He's fighting against a guy he would fight at lightweight, ostensibly. Yes, but they're both hydrated. <laughs> yeah, which but is great. The the fight against Edward Foley Yang, he, he, did you see that one? No, I missed that one as well. He hits him with a calf kick that just drops him completely. And Foley Yang just jumps on top of him and starts fighting on the ground instead of making him stand back up, where he's clearly, clearly hurt bad. And he ends up getting his back taken and choked out. If for a bit of better fight IQ, Eddie Alvarez could legit be 0-2 and 1. I just think that Eddie's on the back nine. I mean, he's, so, he's obviously on the back nine. I think he's approaching the 18th hole. He's pretty close there. Uh, to to keep up the golf metaphor. Having said that, and I, I haven't watched Lapicus, I, I admit, I'm still going to go with Eddie here. I think he's got this one in him. Okay, so I did watch a little bit of uh, Yuri. His what fu- did you think? I watched his fight with Christian Lee, and I think he's a, a ball of fire. Yeah. And I think... Well, so is Eddie. He's, he always a, has been. Exactly. This is going to be a Chandler-Alvarez-esque war. That's my prediction. I, I don't think it's going to go that long, though. It, well, you know, there might be a finish in there. Might be. Yeah. I I think I think whoever wins, we're gonna get a winner in like six minutes. That's just what oh, I think okay. is gonna happen. I'm gonna pick Eddie. I'm picking Alvarez here, the underground king. Has he always been called that? No, he adopted that one pretty late. Okay, he didn't have that nickname for a very long time. But yeah, I I'm definitely going with Alvarez here. Um, not a whole lot of confidence in it, just because he seems to be kill or be killed lately. Uh, he's actually two and three with a no contest, and that that one was one that got avenged uh, by. Dustin Poirier. So yeah, I mean he's he's not even a an above five hundred fighter anymore. So yeah, it's it's hard to feel confident. But I think it's gonna be a good fight either way. We'll see what we get, right? Yeah. I even want to see that Muay Thai fight. I, I like watching Muay Thai. I don't watch a ton of it, but when I do, I'm always entertained. Um so the the first bout on the one on TNT number one list is uh Rod Tang, Jim Sound it out. Jim Wan Yan. <laughs> Tough one to say. I'm I'm probably screwing that one up, and I apologize uh, against uh, Daniel Williams. I don't know these guys, but I'm very excited for it. 
I, that's it. That's I, all I have to say. <laughs> I've never heard of either guy, but I know Muay Thai fights are fun. And the fact that it seems most Muay Thai fighters adopt the uh, your best defense is a good offense uh, mentality. Uh, it'll be fun for sure. And I'm almost positive that they do this uh, with much smaller gloves on. Do they? Well, that's what I was I'm, asking. I'm pretty sure that that's what they do in one. Okay. So I, I was asking that because are they going to fight a Muay Thai fight in a cage or would they do the ring? That's what that's what kind of threw me off earlier when I mentioned that. I guess we'll find out on Wednesday. We will find out on Wednesday. But yeah, I'm, I'm almost positive that what they do there is they use the four ounce gloves. You know, the ones we see in MMA for Muay Thai fights in one, okay. which I think is really cool. Might as well. You can hit every. You can hit them with basically all your weapons bare, completely elbows, knees, feet. Why not the hands? Make make that you know a little bit smaller. For sure. Heck, I wouldn't even have a problem with them doing no gloves. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the way. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's the way they actually did it for a long time, right? In, in, oh, uh, in Thailand. Yep, I'm sure. Yeah, that it's gonna be a fun event no matter what. And real quick before we sign out, I should mention that I am going to be making a guest appearance. On the SCMP MMA live chat with John Hyung Ko on Wednesday night, around the same time as the the uh, one broadcast, which is Wednesday 9 p.m. Uh, Eastern time. You can find that on the SCMP MMA YouTube channel. So I'm excited to go on there. Everyone should watch that as their pre-fight because one starts at 10. Scott's going on at 9. And I have no idea what the topics are. I, I don't know anything. I'm sure one will come up. Uh, they're based in uh, in Hong Kong. So I would have to think because that's in the same region of the world, it's probably going to be something that's on John's radar uh, for us to be talking about. I don't know. We'll see. But I'm excited no matter what. This is the this is one of the first this is one of the few times where I actually go on as a guest elsewhere. And uh, I like going on. It's fun. Awesome. I will watch. Thank you. But that's everything for us. Uh, You know, we touched on a lot of stuff in this episode. I hope everybody enjoyed it. Yeah, this is this is going to be one of our longer ones, I would imagine. I think so, but we covered a lot of bases, had some interesting stuff. Yeah, I think it was a good show. Thanks for sticking with us, and uh, we'll be back on Friday. We'll be talking a little more Bellator and, and, uh, you know, UFC as well. Yep. Thanks for listening. Take care, everybody.